0: Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Hub and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub and it's nice to see you again. That's right, I can see you. You're wearing a blue plaid shirt and a brown hat. Hello. Oh boy, I knew I shouldn't have Licked that magic ruby. But now I can see my podcast listeners, and also they all dress the same. Well, with great power comes great responsibility, so guess I should record a podcast about comic books now. Now you know my secret origin story. Also, I've got some news for you. So put down that yellow coffee mug, huh? Huh? And listen up because you can't listen while you're holding a coffee mug. Oh, or maybe what I'm about to tell you is so exciting that I don't want you to spill coffee all over yourself. I know I'm pretty excited about it. If any of you are going to be attending the Rose City Comic Con, which you should, it's in Portland. It is on September 8th through 10th. Corey and I will be appearing on a panel with Jay and Miles of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, to talk about continuity-based comic book podcasting. It's going to be my first panel that I've been on, so it should be fun, and I'm really excited to be doing it with Jay and Miles. And, uh, yeah, so you should go and, you know, fill out the crowd on our side of the aisle because I'm sure that Jay and Miles are going to be pretty well represented. So, uh, yeah, you know, you should come and see me and say hello. And, you know, I'll stand awkwardly because that's how I respond to that. I'll probably not, and smile. I'll be polite. And I think I'll probably try to dress like a professor so that people will take me seriously. And probably I'll turn my chair around backwards and then, like, straddle it while I sit in it so that people will know that I'm cool and I'm doing real talk. So that's what you should go do so that you can see me the way that I'm seeing you right now because I licked that magic ruby from the wizard. Which, in retrospect... Probably a mistake. Anyway, you guys ready to talk about a comic book? I am. So, without any further ado, let's uh, do this. Today's synopsis rhyme is. Oh, geez. I think I'm out of synopsis rhymes. I got one for the Defenders coming out next week. Okay, give me a second. If you get the best moil, then you'll have a tip top, Briss. If you write a Titans comic, then I'll write a synopsis. Mazel tov! Strong start, weak finish. Sorry about that. Teen Titans, number 23. September, 1982. Kidnapped. Written by Robert Louis Stevenson. No, wait, wrong kidnapped. This one has an exclamation point. Written by Marv Wolfman. Drotted by George Perez. With inks by Romeo Tangal. Teen Titan Roll Call. Starfire, Beast Boy, Raven, Wonder Girl, Cyborg, Kid Flash, Robin. Previously in the New Teen Titans Cyborg's robophobic ex-gal pal Mossy was feeling blue, so she went ahead and joined an evil cult. Teenagers. The cult was led by a fellow named Brother Blood. Blood wears a snake skull on his head, claims to be 700 years old, has a bunch of super-advanced technology lying around, and likes to feed disobedient teens to a giant spider. Marcy got tired of Blood's malarkey and hit the bricks. Blood didn't care for that, and had his minions track her down and murder her to death with their ray guns. Bummer! The Titans decided to investigate Brother Blood and his Marcy murdering minions. Wonder Girl, Robin, Raven, and Kid Flash went undercover as a quartet of cult-curious converts to the Church of Blood. Well, their more conspicuous, less white counterparts, Cyborg, Starfire, and Beast Boy impatiently cooled their heels back at the Titan Tower. Unfortunately, the quartet of cultist-costumed Caucasian crime-fighters was perhaps not quite as incognito as they might have assumed that they were. And Blood and his minions recognized them as superheroes and beat the shit out of them. Oh no! But those disguises seemed impenetrable! Riven even wore pants! So did Robin! Guess they should have taken a page out of Starfire's book and put on a pair of sunglasses. After smashing the sunglassless superheroes senseless, Blood tossed the teens into a spider pit to be eaten. With the last of her energy, Raven sent her astral giant bird form off to summon the rest of the team, but unbeknownst to our favorite Azerathian empath, her emission of an astral avian emissary played right into the hands of a certain supposedly sesquicentennial snake-skull-wearing supervillain. Why do I write sentences like that? When Brother Blood saw Raven's birdogram being sent, he arranged for one of his acolytes, a TV reporter named Bethany Snow, to interview him at his compound. The self-styled modern messiah of murder claimed during the interview that he was a man of peace who was constantly being persecuted by society, and harassed and threatened by intolerant superheroes. When Cyborg, Beast Boy, and Starfire Kool-Aid man their way through the walls of the Church of Blood to rescue their teammates, they look like a bunch of assholes, and it appears to prove the perfidious Pontifex's professed persecution. While a recently resuscitated Robin and Raven battled the giant spider in its subterranean lair, an enraged cyborg attacked Brother Blood, who proved surprisingly spry for a 700-year-old. After learning that Blood had been torturing and starving the enormous spider, Raven used her powers to subdue the abused arachnid, and she and Robin managed to get their teammates to relative safety above grounds. Blood appeared to flee from his compound in a jet thingy, but Cyborg leapt aboard the escaping aircraft and ripped its wing off, causing it to crash into a nearby hillside, apparently killing the cult leader in the process. But wouldn't that violate the Titan's relatively strict no-murder policy? It would certainly appear so to the pro-Brother Blood media assembled at the compound. But secretly, a not-so-dead-after-all cult leader and his handful of loyal minions made their escape on a secret submarine or something, laughing to themselves that the Teen Titans were a bunch of stupid idiots who played right into their hands. Meanwhile, deep in outer space, a group of Gordanians, those farty evil Godzilla monsters that Starfire escaped from back in the first issue, were groveling and promising to recapture their escaped slave Princess Coriander so that their new evil boss could torture her or whatever. Shitty. But what makes things go from shitty to Shittier was that the evil boss in question was none other than Starfire's own sister, Blackfire. Gadzooks! what PR steps will the Titans take to repair their negative portrayal in the media? What would possess Starfire's sister to go by a stupid derivative nickname like Blackfire? And how will the Titans survive the combined threat of the Gordanians and Starfire's sinister sibling? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so for starters, they loudly announced that they could destroy the combined forces of the NYPD and the Army if they felt like it. Well, it turns out that her real name is Commander, so kind of a lateral move at worst. And they get a little help from the DC Universe's most powerful and most popular superhero. And also Superman helps, too. Somewhere just beyond the orbit of Mars... The shitty little gassy Godzilla-looking slave traders known as the Gordanians tremble in fear of the wrath of their cruel overlord, Starfire's sister, the evil Princess Commander. Okay, so as dumb of a name as Commander is, Princess Commander is kind of a cool title. But only if it has like a slash, not just it's someone who can tell princesses, but only princesses what to do. I mean, that'd be cool and all, but it would have pretty limited usefulness. Anyway, Commander, orders the flatulent lizard men serving under her to fly down to Earth and re-kidnap her sister. If they feel like murdering any humans while they're there, that's fine with her, but the important thing is the sister napping. Meanwhile, back on Earth, a whole bunch of army guys and policemen and helicopters are gathering outside the Titan Tower. At the front of the crowd is Assistant District Attorney Frank Fitzsimmons. Huh. Now, I'm sure Frank is a fine Assistant District Attorney and all. But if we're gonna get an assistant district attorney in a DC comic book, I'm pretty disappointed that it's not Rick Raleigh, the Red Bee, a crime fighter who is friends with a bee named Michael who lives in his belt. Bet Frank Fitzsimmons doesn't have any friends who live in his belt. Plus, I bet it'd be all weird if you even asked him about it. And he calls himself an assistant district attorney. Anyway, Frank, no bees in his belt Fitzsimmons, tells the Titans that he promises no one is going to hurt them. He just wants to ask them some questions about what happened at Brother Blood's place. Okay, that actually seems pretty reasonable. I wonder why no bees want to hang out with this guy. Robin responds to Frank's polite request by pointing out that the Titans could totally blow up all of the cops and army guys if they wanted to, but lucky for Frank, they don't want to. Damn it, Robin. See, this is what happens when you learn your PR skills from Batman. After a little banter, Robin and Frank put their measuring sticks away and the Titans head downtown to answer some questions. Or, more accurately, to have Frank gruffly ladle out a heaping helping of exposition. You see, turns out Brother Blood has already come out of hiding and staged some kind of resurrection press conference. Huh. You'd think he might have milked the I-was-killed-by-shitty-teens for a little more martyr juice. Or at least take a little vacation. Well, I guess when you love your work, you don't need to take time off and The disobedient teens aren't going to feed themselves to spiders. Frank is pretty peeved at our heroes on account of he had been working diligently to build a case against Brother Blood, and then the Titans busted in like they were Aerosmith in a Run DMC video and fucked everything up. The Titans try to defend themselves, but Frank isn't having any. He instructs them not to talk to the press, and calls them a bunch of stupid idiots and tells them to get out of his office, before he's forced to rethink his policy on not ordering bees to sting people. As Frank leaves the building he is accosted by Brother Blood's pet reporter, Bethany Snow. Bethany demands that Frank arrest the Titans for murdering the very much alive Brother Blood. When Frank declines to do so, the clearly objective journalist yells that the Titans are evil and must be stopped. Well, this fair and balanced reporting is being conducted outside of the ADA's office, a bunch of Gordanian flying saucers zoom into the city and zap some kind of a make starfire go crazy ray at the Tamaranian princess. Coriander goes berserk and starts blasting her magic spacefire all over the place willy-nilly. This doesn't exactly do the Titans any favors from a public relations standpoint. While the other Titans are trying to minimize the damage caused by their rampaging teammate, the farty space reptiles jam a sci-fi welder's mask they call a Mind Dampener over Starflyer's head and drag her onto one of their UFOs. Beast Boy manages to take out a couple of the alien assholes, and Cyborg manages to jump onto and then crash one of their UFOs. Seems like crashing aircrafts is kind of his new thing. Hope the Gordanian doesn't fake his own death to make Vic look like a murderer for, like, three minutes. Yeah, well... Turns out the extraterrestrial jerkwad doesn't need to fake his own death. Princess Commanderer has tricked out all of her employees with some kind of interstellar remote-control cyanide capsule, and as soon as each space lizard is defeated, it is instantly vaporized. A fact that Raven figures out when she tries to use her powers to make one of her foes go nighty-night, and winds up with a double fistful of pink baby powder that used to be an evil space dinosaur. Shitty. The Azerathian Empath freaks the fuck out. You actually feel kind of bad for the Gordanians for a second, until you remember that they're slave traders and fuck those guys. Having captured their quarry while suffering what they apparently feel are acceptable losses, the cosmic douchebag zip back into orbit, dragging an unconscious Coriander back to her psychotic sister's spaceship. The gang starts brainstorming to try to figure out a way to get into space and rescue their buddy. Cyborg is able to patch up the busted Gordanian spaceship that he crashed. but. The bad news is that the thing is basically a space miata and can only seat three people. The Titans need to be at full strength if they're going to execute Robin's elaborate rescue plan. Luckily, the Boy Wonder remembers that back in issue number one, the Gordanians crashed one of their space miatas into the ocean. He reckons that if they were to dredge it up, then Vic could get the thing spaceworthy. The only problem is, how on earth could the Teen Titans possibly get to something that was all the way at the bottom of the ocean? Hmm. Hmm. If only the Teen Titans knew someone who could do a deep-sea salvage mission. Someone amazing. Someone with sea-strengthened limbs. Someone who looks like a young Tom Jones. Someone who has a pelican friend I invented named Beaky. Someone who is the undisputed greatest Teen Titan of all time. That's right, it's Gnark! Just kidding, it's motherfucking Aqualad! Hooray! The Marine Teen asks one of his Finny friends, a whale named Jumbo, to drag the waterlogged ship to the surface. Robin asks the awesome amphibious adolescent to join the team on their mission. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Tragically, but perhaps pragmatically, Aqualad declines, on the grounds that there isn't a ton of water in space and Atlantis apparently still hasn't figured out canteen technology. A few hours later, the Titans are ready to blast off. Really? Hours? Okay. The gang asks Robin what the big plan is, and he reveals that the plan is to go straight up for a long time and hope that they bump into a big evil spaceship. Wow. What a strategist. I can see why he's the team leader. Robin's brilliant plan works. After a little while, the amateur astronauts stumble across the ship that Princess Commander commands. Wait. Damn it. She commands the spaceship. I could have been calling her Commander Commander the whole time. Having finally caught up with Commander Commander, all the Titans have to do is get onto her ship, defeat the Gordanian Armada, beat up the evil Tamaranian Princess, grab the good Tamaranian Princess, I guess weld some kind of a sidecar onto one of the space Miatas, and then zoom back to Earth. Sounds pretty straightforward. Just a few teensy problems with that plan. A... The refurbished Gordanian space Miatas have absolutely no offensive capabilities. And two, the teens are stuck inside the weaponless ships because they forgot to pack any spacesuits. Yeah, so instead of rescuing their pretty orange buddy, the Titans end up being sitting ducks as Commander Commander, uses a tractor beam to tow the sex-dead of sloppy strategists onto her ship, and then send a bunch of drones to beat the shit out of them while she gleefully tortures her captive sister. Shitty. The drones are super badass and blast the Titans to pieces. Literally. Cyborg's legs are shot clean off his torso, and the rest of the team doesn't fare much better. Starfire is forced to watch as her friends and would-be rescuers are systematically defeated, knocked unconscious, and thrown like refuse into the deadly vacuum of deep space. Bummer. Well, looks like that's it for the Titans. Shit. Guess we'll have to find a new series to cover. Night Force? Justice League Detroit? Maybe Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew? No, no, wait. Looks like Raven was able to wrap the defeated team in one of her astral cocoons. Whew. Raven's giant soul bird form can only withstand the ravages of deep space for a little while, but fortunately, just before time runs out, they drift near enough to the Justice League's satellite headquarters that someone on board notices their presence and is able to send out a tractor beam and rescue them. Hooray! That seems like a much nicer tractor beam than the last one. And once they get aboard, the JLA should be able to pitch in and take care of everything. Hooray! Well, turns out there's only one member aboard the satellite. Bummer. But that one member is Superman. Hooray! Hooray! But Superman doesn't have most of his powers because he got mixed up with some bullshit time travel and multiple stand ins for the devil. Bummer. Wow. That was one heck of a little emotional roller coaster the last two pages took us on. To be continued. I wonder if the Gordanians are all having space midlife crises, and that's why they all got space miatas. Probably. Hey, that gives me an idea for a series Midlife Crisis on Infinite Earths. The Golden Age heroes are all trying to date the Bronze Age heroes in a misguided attempt to recapture their youth. The Anti-Monitor keeps talking about quitting his job and opening a bed and breakfast. Harbringer starts making a big deal out of going to music festivals. Psycho Pirate buys a motorcycle he can either ride or afford. Oh, Psycho Pirate. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Cory. Corey, how's it going? Pretty good, how are you? I'm doing okay. There's a fly in here. Yep, that's not annoying. No, not at all. Good. Ah!
1: That's
0: so annoying. It's the worst. Other than that. Is it um, really bugging you? (sighs) (laughs) You know, at first I was reading this issue and I was like, man, how can one sibling want to kill another sibling? (laughs) So, what'd you think? Oh my god, Commander is such a dick. What a piece of shit. Oh, I hate her so much. Terrible. Terrible person. Terrible. I do not like her. Also, that is such a dumb name. Commander. Commander. Okay, what do you think their <laughs> other siblings are probably called? I know she has, like, a long-lost brother. Uh Colander. Oh, that's good. Colander, or, uh, hmm. Conditioner. Oh, that's another good one. You're on a roll. That's Catheter. <laughs> <laughs> do you Got think bad. that's his name? Yeah. Which one do you think it is? Um, I'm going to go with the, uh, the kitchen-y. Colin Durr? Yeah. Okay. I like that. From now on, Starfire has a long-lost brother named Colin Durr. Colin, for short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That will be his uh, male model name when he comes to Earth. Colin. Colin Durr. First name, Colin. Last name, Durr.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. He could do photo shoots with Starfire.
0: Uh-huh. Pretty good. Yep. Just need to get him some sunglasses. No- He'll fit right in. Nobody will know ever. So, okay. Who do you think did a worse job? The government or the Titans? Cuz it seems like they were both doing a pretty bad job in the whole brother blood fiasco. Uh, the government managed to kill a Gordanian. Okay, I'm just talking about in the brother blood deal. Oh. Cuz the Titans also managed to kill several Gordanians. They were just upset about it. Did they? Remember uh- that's why Raven was all pissed off? Oh, that's true. But, well, I don't know. It's kind of killing, but it's sort of like they well, were... Well, the same deal with the government.
1: Well, no, they shot it to death, and then it then it vaporized. And then the other ones were like, oh, our ship crashed. Now we have to self-destruct. So that was
0: not really cyborg. Yeah, sport. I don't think he immediately died of his wound. The guy that they shot. Oh, really? Yeah. He was like, oh, man, that hurts. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, no, no, no. no I'm no, going to no, be no, fine. No. I'm going to be fine.
1: I'm feeling better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: got to beat these guys up in a minute.
0: Yeah. Ugh. What a jerk. Tough job being a Gordanian. Although, you know what? They are slave traders, so also fuck those guys. That's true, but I can still be mad at Commander
1: for doing (laughs) that. And also happy that the Gordanians are dead. Yes. That's complicated. It really is. So, back to the original question. I think that the Titans perhaps did a worse job in the sense of they were really made to be the... Is Patsy the right word in this context?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But... Here's why I say the government is also doing a terrible job. Yes, the Titans definitely fucked up and played into Brother Blood's hand, But the government is also like, okay, well, there was a crime that took place on this property. We can go investigate. They are looking at the compound. They can't find evidence there. There's so much evidence that he murdered people there. They also have the Titans' eyewitness reports of specific teens being killed by Brother Blood in front of them. That's a crime that they can prosecute. I believe they are also heavily infiltrated by Brother Blood and his disciples. Really? What evidence do you see of that? The ADA certainly didn't seem of that opinion. And he was definitely minimizing. I really liked his argument that the, the Titans are like, no, he's got the press on their side. He's like, it's one goddamn lady, and it's obvious. Ah. And nobody listens to her. We couldn't deal with that shit. Also, I don't understand why the guy was like, and we can't expose her as being a member of the Church of Blood because...
1: When did the Americans with Disabilities Act come into it?
0: Assistant District Attorney Corey. I know. I was just... Corey! Josh, and you with your government acronyms? Oh, uh, yeah, that's fun. Speaking of acronyms, a couple of times in this, New Teen Titans gets shortened to TNT. Ooh, but that... That doesn't is... make sense. Like, when they refer to, like, this happened back in TNT number one. So, you've decided to emphasize the word the, but not either teen or titan? Like... I always abbreviate it as NTT, and when I see the TNT, yes, it makes me think of like, oh, the explosive. But mostly, it looks like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to me. Oh, missing. I was like, oh. oh, they left an they left an M out. Mhm. So that struck me as odd. So, the other way that the Titans did mishandle their whole interaction, I think, with the government, was the government shows up to talk to them. The Assistant District Attorney, or ADA, if you will. I will. Okay. Says hi. I'm the assistant district attorney. We promise we won't hurt you. We're just here to talk. And Robin's response is, We could have killed all of you before you even landed. Um, okay, maybe that's true. Also, why did you bring that up just then? Uh, it's not the was, most diplomatic way to deal with officials.
1: They didn't like it that the everybody was pointing guns at him, so he
0: got a little hot under the collar. I guess. I guess. So... We've been pussyfooting around the issue, Corey, but something very important happened. Oh, fucking Aqualad is back. Yep. Just for a minute. Just popped in to say hi and and lend a hand. It made me very happy. I thought it would. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And I love the way this is the first we've seen George Perez draw Aqualad, I believe. Hmm. He does a great job. He looks like a young Tom Jones. He does look clean, he like, like Tom, Tom nice Jones. He's got, like, nice curly hair. Mm-hmm. This is also, I think, the first depiction of him where they've really, like, leaned into his purple eyes and they look really cool. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this depiction of Aqualad. He declines going into space with the Titans despite Robin's kind invitation on the grounds that, hey, remember, I gotta have water every hour. Here's the thing. They're going into space. They gotta have air every few seconds. There is none of either of those things where they're going, and they did not account for that at all. Yep. Bad there's, planning. There's even a discussion when they're in the spaceship. They're yeah. like,
1: okay, let's just go
0: outside. They go through all the trouble to refurbish these spacecrafts. I have to believe where the DC universe is at at this point, there are probably a few different places that they have the resources where they could just go get a spaceship. hmm I mean, even the old Teen Titans, on a couple of occasions, were able to just go get spaceships. Mm-hmm. But they go through all the trouble to salvage and repurpose these spaceships that have no offensive capabilities that will barely accommodate the six of them. Mm -hmm. They need two. Each one can handle three people. And their plan is they have no plan. Like to the point where it's like, okay, well, where do we go? And Raman's like, straight up. uh, We'll we'll run into them eventually. And it worked. But come on, man. That's a terrible plan. I know. You have their old technology. There's a workaround there. You could say there was some kind of homing technology to the mothership. They're automatically programmed to return to their base. Something like that. I had the same thought when they get up there. I was like, I think it was Cyborg, was like, so
1: what next? Where are we going? Anything on the radar?
0: Yeah. I was like, oh, you bozos. Yeah, they didn't think this through at all. To the point where when they get up there, they're like, okay, how are we going to get into their ship? I don't know, and also we can't leave the ship because there's no air here, and we'd all die.
1: It reminds me of the time, as a young, young man, I went camping with a bunch of friends, and... You didn't bring any oxygen? We forgot to bring food. What happened? Well, fortunately, it wasn't far. Oh. We had hitchhiked from uh, a friend's house in, in uh, Marin County, California, up into the, the hills, <laughs> and got there and set up a tent, and then for like, oh! oh! But I tell you, after, I don't know
0: six hours or so, like, you just realize, wow,
1: this is important business.
0: It is. Also, in as much as camping, I feel like the main activity that there is is fire maintenance and food preparation. And cleaning up. Like, yeah. Other than that, you're just sitting out in the wood. Well, it, it, alcohol really right. brings something to the party. That's true. Mm-hmm. But the Teen Titans, they... Didn't bring food. No booze. No booze. Probably didn't bring any water, because they're like, well, we don't have Aqualad, so we're not going to need water. Yep, don't need that. They do such a bad job planning for this trip, and it kind of shows in the results. It was extremely reactive, though. I know. I want to go save their friend. Let's go save our friend.
1: We'll figure the rest out later. That's just details.
0: Yeah. Not at all like Robin, though. He's normally yeah. such a
1: little planner. Yeah,
0: and I really appreciated Aqualad being like, no, remember all those times when I went to space before? I didn't like it. They didn't I... give him a hard sell, either.
1: They were like, our friend's life depends on it. you have to help us. Robin was just like, okay, well, maybe come okay. around sometime.
0: Here's the other thing. He invites Aqualad to go with them. If Aqualad goes, who do they leave behind? They've been over the fact that they can only accommodate six people on that ship. Mm. Do they draw straws? Do they have Beast Boy shrink down to the size of a Tsetse fly? Probably they do that. Yeah, that would have been a good move. Mm. They could have talked about that. You've already put way more thought into this than all of them combined. Except Aqualad, who is very pragmatic and also has a pet whale named Jumbo. Pretty good. Yep. Jumbo is one of the lesser known of Aqualad's finny friends. I, I figured it was Xena. a whale. Yeah. Well, he also shows up riding a giant whale. Oh, I somehow missed that. With a spaceship on top of it. Oh, no shit. That is a whale. Yeah. That's Jumbo. Okay.
1: That (laughs) makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah. Jumbo. Ah, I like him. He's no Tusky. He's no Topo. And he's certainly no Beaky. Certainly not. But good guy. You want a spaceship carried? He's your guy. It's like a hat for a whale. Nice. More like a backpack it looked like. I mean, it would be like one of those tiny little backpacks that were popular in the 90s. Ugh. Early 2000s? I don't know. Man, me either. I did not like those things. No, those are dumb. Do you remember when we were in a car and I was talking about how dumb they were, and there was a lady in the car who was wearing one and I hadn't realized that? (laughs) No. (laughs) You you were definitely there. I think it was one of your friends, and I was like, oh, uh-oh. Oh, Oh, that was funny. Yeah, that has happened before also when I have talked shit about Coco Pele tattoos. Oh, I had that experience too. (laughs) I bet that happens all the time. To me?
1: No, just in general, like, those tattoos were so prevalent, and there's also so many people who are like, oh, these tattoos are so prevalent. Yes. Can you believe people get them? And then at least one person's like, well, actually, I have. I bet that happens, like, on a weekly, if not daily basis. So don't feel bad.
0: Too late. (laughs) Brother Blood's pet reporter, Bethany Snow, she is not looking good. This has been a rough couple of weeks for her. Got some uh, lazy eye problem. She's got, like, a crazy eyes problem, and she also just looks much older than she did in the previous issue. I wonder if the scrutiny of the rest of the press and the pressure of dealing with apparently Brother Blood almost immediately came back to life. Like staged his resurrection right and so there really isn't a ton that they can be charged with they can be charged with property damage but like at least two members of the teen titans are multi-millionaires i I guess three because i think cyborg's got a ton of money from his dad oh gar's got a ton of money sure and robin's got a ton of money i think they could cover any property damage that they caused so really the most they can charge them with is trespassing yep so that's not a huge issue but Yeah, it it seems like Bethany Snow looks a lot more haggard than she did before and possibly has got into hard drug use after that, judging from the state of her eyeballs. Not looking good. Oh, I had the same observations. Hmm. So we also get a fun cameo appearance from the most popular character in DC Comics. Aqualad! No, we already talked about him. Superman! Yeah. He just shows up at the end, kind of saves the day by pushing a button, and then they're like, Oh, thank God, Superman, you're here. You've got to help us out. And he's like... No. I only have some powers. I only have some powers. I'm literally half the man I used to be. Um, no Superman. You are figuratively half the Superman you used to be. Yeah. You would think that the Earth's yellow sun would affect his abilities and give him super command of the language. No, he's not like super smart man. He's pretty smart. Not super smart. I think he might be super smart. Well, he's only regular smart in this issue. Okay, but I mean, like, he built a ton of robots that look just like him. That's pretty smart. Meh. Corey, how many robots have you built that look just like you?
1: Never mind. Those
0: things do not look just like you.
1: (laughs) That's true. That
0: is, I can tell them apart very easily, Corey. (sighs) Fine. They're pretty good robots. Well, you know, pretty good. Need somebody to run that space program. Hmm. Uh, But yeah, Superman shows up, and they're like, Superman, you can help us. He's like, no, I don't have all of my powers, so I can't help anybody. Dude, you're probably still have more powers than Robin. I don't think you're going to get a ton of sympathy out of that dude, who just launched himself into space without a plan to save his buddy.
1: Yeah, it's like, man, I got short pants
0: and a utility belt. Yeah. You still probably got, like, super strength. Yeah, you're probably still... Pretty strong. That's the thing. Like Superman seems to have like near infinite power, and half of infinity is still infinity. So even if he only has half his powers, he's still pretty powerful. Whoa. I think he's still more than a match for a Gordanian. <laughs> Fucking Gordanians. Yeah. There was a very funny panel that I kept coming back to in the Superman segment. I'm just gonna show it to you and see what your reaction is. I don't have my powers right now. At least not all of them. <laughs> Yeah, he's miming fellatio. <laughs> I think they misdirected the little arrow coming from him. And that's supposed to be Robin. And as Superman is saying that, <laughs> Robin's just like, yeah, whatever. blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> Now I can't look at that panel and not see
1: that. (laughs) You know, that didn't occur to me until you said, I think it's funny. What do you think he's doing? And then, of course. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, that goof.
0: Did I ever tell you about the time when I saw a guy (laughs) playing airbag pipes to log way to the top if you want to rock and roll? I don't think so. It was when I was working. That used to be a song that was on the jukebox. And it was a guy who had a lot to drink. And it really looked like he was miming the filleting of a donkey. And like just paying particular attention to working the sack (laughs) i'm I'm sorry if you're listening at home it was one of the funniest things i would ever seen it took me a while to figure out that he was playing airbag pipes Uh and then i was like oh oh nobody ever tell him what he's doing because that is
1: delightful uh That was the days before easy video capture telephones.
0: It was indeed. Mm, Shame. Indeed. There was another pretty fun panel that amused me in not so visceral a way, but very early on, there's a a depiction of two of the army dudes that are surrounding them, and uh, I don't know if you can read their name tags, but it's Private Perez and Sergeant Tangal. Oh, I did not catch that. Yeah. And I thought that was really cute. And I also think is a nod to the fact that those name tags, it's very small lettering. That is probably the work of the Mm inker. And I like that Romeo Tangal made himself outrank George Perez. (laughs) That
1: is pretty funny.
0: Yeah. It's just a fun little panel. We just get a reaction shot of the army as... Robin is explaining to them that they didn't kill Brother Blood. Now stop staring at us like we're murderers, or worse. And they are all staring at them like, not only are they murderers, but they are surprised to learn that. Well, if you didn't know that, then why did you show up with your army guns? Right. Hmm? Come on. Now, when the Gordanians show up to fuck with Starfire, they fuck with their brain. I think what they probably did was put... A fly buzzing around in the little room where the titans were locked in. Uh, and she just went berserk and started blasting willy-nilly everywhere. Sure. Randomly kool her way through multiple buildings. But she's just kind of losing her shit. Yep. Which does not look good for the titans. Ooh. And Bethany Snow is really leaning on the like, look what they're doing. The titans are the worst. They're all murderers. She really does not seem like a credible press person at this point. Nope. If for no other reason than she keeps describing the Teen Titans as evil. Now, you have to at least make a nod to objective journalism enough that you refrain from using the word evil in describing the people that are the subject of your reporting. One would think. One would think. I think that would probably reflect pretty poorly on her. But then the farty little Godzilla monsters come down from space Mm -hmm. and they use a device to subdue Princess Coriander Mm -hmm. is called a Mind Dampener, Yep, and it's a weird helmet that they lock on her head, but I really like the idea of a device called a Mind Dampener, and I think that's what I'm going to call my garden hose from now on. I'm going to spray somebody in the head with it. It's like, oh, it's a Mind Dampener. Now your mind's damp. (laughs) Oh, jeez. That's, people are not going to like that. No, they'll hate it, but what are they going to do? I've got a mind dampener. I don't know what they will do. It will subdue them, Corey. I will sit back
1: and watch this with great glee. (laughs) Who are you going to subdue first? I don't know.
0: Just people walking down the street. Hey, what time is it? They come over (laughs) here. You're like, Why would somebody come over if I said, hey, what time is it? To tell you. Oh, that's nice sometimes. I wouldn't dampen their mind for that. Well, we'll maybe if I say, hey, what time is it? And they're like, why don't you Google that? Time to get a watch. Yeah, time to get your mind damp. Oh yeah, okay. Alright, pretty good. I will record that with my phone device. And post it for the world to giggle at. Huzzah! The Titans have a weird reaction to the Gordanians getting killed. I think they have a weird reaction. They are surprised and horrified that when space aliens attacked the army, the army shot the space aliens. are threatening to disintegrate the world and pointing guns at them yep this has come up before in the battle in Zandia where it's like they said this time we're not holding anything back and they are marching into what they have explicitly stated is a war Mm -hmm. and are shocked and surprised that people are getting killed Mm -hmm. this time they are shocked and surprised that the Gordanians are getting killed by the army when they are attacking the army yeah of course of course the Gordanians are being killed also Beast Boy takes off a Gordanians jetpack and drops him like a hundred yards onto a car. Mm-hmm. And after he lands, then I guess whatever the self-destruct thing happens is that the Gordanians now die immediately upon capture. You just dropped a dude a hundred yards onto a car. He was probably dead anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't get to be horrified that he's died after you did something that would very likely result in his death. It's mostly Wally. Yeah, it was, it was Wally, freaked but out because y- he's not used to it.
1: And Raven, who was also free. Well, out. she actually killed somebody, which for her is like
0: she didn't me. really kill them.
1: Well, she felt like she did.
0: She incapacitated the person, and, and then he, then he and then he killed himself. Yeah. So she felt responsible for his death, and that's like one of a big Yeah she she her. doesn't she doesn't
1: like that her old man being such a murder happy fuckwad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And her old lady being such a peacenik. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Double whammy. I hear you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just thought that was, it, it seemed disingenuous to me, especially Kid Flash's reaction, I guess. I can understand being an empath when she is around Death Raven has canonically freaked out a little bit. Sure. That makes sense. But yeah, Kid Flash. Come on. Yeah. Toughen up. I mean, That's I mean, what you're saying? a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're going to be a conservative.
1: Yeah, Wally. There was one turn of phrase that I was confused by, and it was on page. 15 and it's the dialogue that's going back and forth between robin and cyborg yeah where cyborg says to
0: him that he should cover up his legs okay i actually did want to touch on that too i'm glad you brought it up i think what was happening there was that was some light homophobic banter that was going on between the two. Oh,
1: because, because on the
0: ship he said i could kiss you and... yeah robin said i could kiss you and then cyborg says you better cover up your legs or people are going to talk but that's the thing. I don't. What does that even mean? I think he's saying people will think you're gay because he has those short Because pants. you, yeah. Oh, so there's a couple ways to interpret oh, I'm so it. Innocent. It's, it's it either some occur- like light homophobic banter uh-huh. or some light flirtation. Um, hmm. Maybe he's saying people are going to talk because we're kissing each other in the scenario that you've outlined, Robin, and also neither one of us are wearing pants. Because Cyborg is also not wearing pants. Yeah, saying he could say the same thing about his own. Well, maybe the whole idea is like we can't be wearing matching outfits if we're going to kiss. Because people are going to talk. Oh, that's confusing. Like maybe only one of us can wear short pants. (laughs) I know what you're talking about. it it is yes, nineteen eighty two. I am honestly surprised that they let that level of even insinuating the mm. idea of homosexual activity between Robin and Cyborg, even in like a light banter kind of way. I'm kind of surprised that that went past the censors. Mm. But yeah, I... Or they had the same reaction I did there. If they were reading things to Where they were just like, like kind of confused and I, were like, I don't know, man. If we took everything out of this comic that kind of confused me, where would we be? Exactly. Like, yeah. Let them go. This thing's selling like hotcakes. Yep. I did think that was kind of weird. I also do generally think it's kind of weird that Cyborg is one of the people who continually gives Robin shit about wearing short pants Mm -hmm. when he is also only wearing underpants.
1: That's true. He calls him short pants all the time. Yeah. But he's also got short pants on. I see where you're going with this.
0: Ah. Kind of weird. Man, he has a
1: bummer of a time with his legs uh, when he's sitting there holding both of his removed there
0: he's still joking though that's nice first this shot where the fucking drones cut off his legs Mm -hmm. is really impactful and really like oh shit yeah it's one of a few different oh shit moments that happen during the course of the fight but yeah the drone's cutting off his legs like at the lower thigh rough man super rough but then later on the scene where he is holding a foot in each hand (laughs) kind of cracked me up yeah yeah speaking of those drones Why the hell didn't they send in the drones immediately? Like, if they've got those drones on the ship, the ships are over the city, why didn't they send in the drones to fight the Teen Titans in the first place? They're way better at fighting than the Gordanians, and you don't have to kill them. You see a lot of examples of the heroes doing the Voltron thing where they decide not to form Voltron at the beginning. This is a really clear example of the villains doing the same thing. You got the the fucking means to capture these guys fairly easily with no casualties. Why wouldn't you do that in the first place? Because their commander is not a good commander. That is probably true. Bad leadership. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think Commander is her real name or that it is an ironic nickname? (laughs) Because she's a bad commander. I think that's her real name. Yeah, and she does like to command. She's a bad leader, but she, she does like commanding. Oh, man, she's terrible. I hate her. I hate her. And also Blackfire is a dumb name, and it says that they call her Blackfire on the cover, and they never call her that in the comic book fire is more purple. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes they have to illustrate black as purple just so it shows up. I know a lot of times black gets illustrated as blue because it shows up better against if you've got a black background. Sure. I don't know. I think it's a dumb name.
1: One last thing. I think the ADA said it and it was a turn of phrase that cracked me up. And he yeah. was saying that Brother Blood was guilty of everything from murder to not curbing his dog.
0: What is curbing your dog?
1: I think it means not letting it bark at people and picking up
0: after it's poop and stuff. Just like oh, being man. a dog owner. Those are both terrible crimes. Like murder. Yep, <laughs> pretty much. But he's got a list of, he does say he's got a list of a hundred crimes that they suspect him of. So I think maybe towards the end of the list, he was, he was like, um, jaywalking, uh, not curbing his dog. What kind of dog do you think? Brother Blood has. It was probably a giant spider, and he just <laughs> dressed it up as a dog a little bit. He kept whacking it with a newspaper. <laughs> a giant, like, laser newspaper. You're a stupid spider, and you're good for nothing. God, oh, he's such a terrible pet owner. Oh. Hey, Brother Blood. Yeah, he's he, a jerk. He should, he should Maybe he and Commander should hook up. Yeah, they deserve each other. Yeah. Jerks. Yeah. You ready to do some minutiae? Sure. All right. Rick, sing us into the... Minutia. We got minutiae. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutiae. Like Cory eating farts, we got minutiae. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. So, Cory, what do you feel like covering first? Let's talk about funny sounds. Okay, sound effects. Yeah. What was your favorite sound effect? My favorite was on page 14. Oh, that was mine too.
1: When the Gordanian implodes or explodes or whatever it is they do.
0: Foof. Yep. Yep. Pretty great. There were a lot of sound effects in this issue. Most of them were ones we've seen before. A lot of scrack and scrafk and Scrask. Mm-hmm. Mostly Starfire doing Blast or Commander doing mm-hmm. Blast. But yeah, Foomph kind of stood out because it was a new one. And I liked it. What else did you have? I had a... I think it's a
1: close cousin of Foomph. And it's... foop. What was foop? It's on page 15. Is it another Gordanian imploding? No, it's a spaceship crashing. Oh, thump. But, yeah, it does. It sounds like the noise that, like, when something ignites
0: all at once. Like that, mm, like,
1: mm, that Okay. Sound? But it's a funny sound.
0: <laughs> or it could be, like, a little kid trying to read the junkyard dog's pants. Huh? They said thump on them. Oh. Thump. <laughs> Aw. Oh. The junkyard dog's pants say fump. Daddy. Daddy, why do the junkyard dog's pants say fump? <laughs> this
1: kid is from New Hampshire.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but he loves the junkyard dog. Yeah, he,
1: well, he's a likable fella. Fump. Yep.
0: When, when I hear another one bites the dust and he starts making his way down to the wing, <laughs> I get very excited. Like, <laughs> a little it's Elmer. Said, fun. it says Fump. Yeah, okay, Elmer. He's very excited. <laughs> <Not> I <laughs> love the junkyard dog. <laughs>
1: It's a new character I'm introducing. I can't tell if it's a, it's a child or a very old man.
0: <laughs> it's a, I'm a little kid. I'm a little kid who the job. I just, I,
1: I can't think of anything but a very old man talking like that now. Oh, Bob.
0: I don't have any soup. This is how old people say. To you. Yes. He's come up to you on the street. He's
1: always asking for your soup.
0: Let's hit sartorially speaking. Sure. Main thing I want to talk about, Commander's outfit. And to a lesser extent, and this is kind of a stretch to put it in the sartorial category, her eyebrows. They are very arch. They are very arched. And I I think they are painted on. I think she looks more like Coriander than she wants to. Mm. And I I used to work with some women who worked in the kitchen of the restaurant I used to work at who had shaved off their eyebrows and had them tattooed on. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of them had them tattooed on in a way that always made her look slightly surprised. Mm. And I think that Commander has gone that route, but has gone for just, like, super arched and evil. Yeah. Like, so she's just got evil eyebrows tattooed on. She also has a, like face buffering tiara type thing like a fancy bejeweled cowl
1: that has a very steep widow's peak it makes room for her arched eyebrows
0: it does but it also gives her a widow's peak both both of which are just like "Mm." so i look exactly like coriander but i really want to emphasize the fact that i'm evil so evil eyebrows and widow's peak okay success it works yep well done if that's what you're going for she also has a pretty cool cape that I like a lot, that has like a very elaborate, like it's a purple cape, and then the fringe on it has like a really weird design on it that looks really cool looking, but must have been a pain in the ass to ink. hmm And she also, as you pointed out, has University of Texas <laughs> giant purple earrings. Longhorn. I guess it's not a longhorn because its horns are pointing straight up. What do you think it is? Goat skull earrings? I think it's like a
1: wolf with horns. Oh,
0: they probably got those in space. Tameranian horn wolf. Yeah, and probably, like, the Tamaranians, because we found out that they are evolved from cats, hate wolves. Oh, yeah, So it's like that is their symbol of evil. They fight, like, cats and wolves. Mm Mm-hmm. Indeed they do. But, yeah, she's got a great outfit. It works. It looks evil. It also appears to be
1: a one-piece, kind of like a unitard, including high-heeled boots.
0: Yeah, we you were discussing that earlier and and I brought up the possibility that maybe the there's a zipper on the part we can't see but you think it gets like sewn into it every morning or something? Yeah, or just teleported into it. Something technologically mm-hmm. magical. Mm-hmm. That was a fun pronunciation of technological. <laughs> I was searching for the right word. It and was like it each, each syllable to... seemed like a surprise
1: to you when it came out of your mouth. <laughs> I was looking for the right word, but technology. I can't even say it now. Huh? Technological had started to come out already. Yeah. But I wasn't sure it was right. No, so man, was you, you, you made your way it through it. it. it one great. syllable
0: at a time. Pretty great. It's how you got to approach life. Exactly. Sometimes. Just like I live my life one syllable at a time. Yeah. I told you about how for a while after I saw the movie Torque, which is amazing. I know I've talked about it a lot on the podcast, but there's a line in it where they're making fun of the Fast and the Furious. And so the character says, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. I was like, oh, that's really, that's right, that's a Fast and the Furious thing, and it's really dumb. For a while, whenever we were driving anywhere, and Lisa would say like, okay, that's uh, two miles away. I'd be like, Lisa, that's gibberish. You know, I live my life a quarter mile at a time, and so she would. Eight okay, it's an eight mile. quarters of a mile. I was like, oh, okay, thank you. That's funny. She is a wonderful person. That she put very up with patient. that. Yeah,
1: yep. very patient. So I also had Commander's uniform as the thing. But in addition to that, the Wordanians have some very goofy, golden,
0: thigh-high spike boots. Okay, I saw those. I think that the spikes may be part of their legs. Oh. And that the pants go over them, and they probably have them put on with the same technology that Commander uses to have her pants put on. Where they have those pants just like kind of sewn over the spikes that are coming out of their legs wow it is some impressive tailoring either way because they also cover their like three toes Mm -hmm. like they they have basically space vibrams on yep which is a terrible look man it's like the gordanians are like i'm worried that hub won't hate me enough i know (laughs) i'll put on vibrams Oh, fucking gordanians so uh you want to do a show and tell Let's do a show-and-tell.
1: Okay. What was your show-and-tell? I had a show-and-tell
0: and and I had a kind of a lamer timestamp, so... Okay. Well, let's get the timestamps out of the way first. So for timestamps, it wasn't like an exact timestamp, but there are a ton of references. There's two Star Wars references and two Star Trek references. Mm -hmm. And a reference to Mattel having the licensing for Star Trek. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't necessarily put it in the early 80s, but it is... Definitely a shoehorning in of a pop culture reference. Indeed, yep.
1: I had observed all those. And I also had a mention of uh, Kermit the Frog, who was quite popular at this time.
0: What's weird is who was making these references. Because, first of all, I would have had Aqualad pegged as a Star Trek guy instead of a Star Wars guy. And Gar pegged as more of a Star Wars guy than a Star Trek guy. Hmm. Although, really, I would have thought that he would have tried to reference his own show, Space Quest 2020. Sure. But uh, the other thing was, Gar is also the one who refers to one of the Gordanians as a Kermit the Frog lookalike. I was like, dude, I I assumed that that was somebody talking about him at first. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess the Gordanians are kind of like frog-like people in that they're green. They're green. They're more lizards than frogs. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just thought that was kind of odd. That it's like, oh, it's a narcissism of small differences. Like... You look kind of like Kermit, so you don't like it when other people look like Kermit. You think, oh, he looks ridiculous. A green person, that's a terrible way to look. Anyway, I'm Beast Boy. Mm. What was your show and tell? Oh, my show and tell
1: was on page 22 when those mighty little drones are shooting cables out and enveloping everybody. And somebody, I think it's Robin maybe, says, look out, those drones are
0: shooting cables. Hmm. I had page 13 and it was Cyborg over narrating. Just got to keep them off my tail while I figure out these computer controls, which shouldn't take too long. I plugged into their master computer back when we first battled and most of that info is still stored in my mini computer.
1: Did you wonder if that's what he refers to his brain as?
0: Oh, I hope so. I'm going to start referring to my brain as that.
1: The old mini-computer.
0: Yeah. Sure hope nobody dampens it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we could have a short (laughs) circuit. (laughs) Uh-oh. Are you ready to take this party to the Bozone? Sure. In this issue, what instance of someone calling another person a bozo, either literally or metaphorically, did you want to discuss?
1: Well, we actually touched on one of them already was the kermit the frog yeah as, as you put a those that's a narcissism of small differences narcissism of small differences yeah I, I like that phrase so that that was one i had which i also thought was rather a disservice to kermit the frog yeah they
0: don't look like kermit the frog they're farty little godzilla monsters
1: and the other one i had was another an amphibian reference and it was cyborg just referring to a Gordanian as a as a frog
0: oh which again not great for frogs sure and not particularly accurate Why not just call them Vibram-wearing farty little Godzillas? Because back then, Vibrams
1: were just manufacturers of rubber soles. Vibrams were just a beautiful dream. Just just a
0: twinkle (laughs) in the eye of a... Of the worst shoe designer ever. (laughs) So, my Bozone moments, the same word is the focus both times. Mine are both from Commander. Once, she says, bring my stupid sister to me. Mm. It's great. I enjoy use of the word stupid. It's a good insult it's pretty good and another time she is about to destroy the teen titans she is telling her stupid sister that and she says they will die along with their stupid planet mm. stupid planet i like it yep pretty good yeah that cracked me up too i affectionately called a co-worker the other day a stupid idiot it was really fun
1: hmm i it's difficult for me without context to see how that would come across as affectionate
0: okay uh Oh, Cory, you stupid idiot. Nope. No? Mm -mm. You didn't get the love in that? No. Maybe I need to apologize to my co-worker. Maybe. Each issue of a Teen Titans comic book has a Aqualad, the best of Teen Titans, Mm -hmm. and also a Speedy, the worst of Teen Titans. Mm. In this issue, who was your Aqualad? In this issue,
1: my Aqualad was Raven. Oh. Because she saved the team. Sure. um, When they were in space. Yes. And also she didn't freak out too bad about that. About killing a dude.
0: And I expected the whole rest of the issue. She'd be
1: like. That's kind of in a catatonic state.
0: Well, I mean, it could have been worse. It wasn't like Robin tried to get her to talk about her feelings. Yeah. She didn't just mind wipe everybody. (laughs) So, no, I thought she did a fine job. Okay. I understand that. I'm a little miffed at her because when they're trying to figure out a way to get into the spaceship, she didn't just teleport herself over there, which she can do all the time. And she didn't teleport the rest of the gang over to the spaceship, which periodically she's been able to teleport them to whole other planets or planes of existence. I know it might have taken a lot out of her, but she also, when they're like, oh, we can't survive in the vacuum of space, didn't bring up the fact like, well, we can for a little while if I envelop us in my soul self. The inconsistent use of her power set was frustrating to me. And I know it's obviously the fault of the writer, but as is everything else that happens. So I'm going to blame that on her. Fair enough. Bad job, Raven. In this issue, my Aqualad was Aqualad. (laughs) He was my runner-up for a the spaceship. He brought them to spaceship. He wisely decided, nah, I'm going to sit this one out. And did not decide to take part in a plan that had no goddamn plan. Speaking of which, my speedy, the architect of the non-plan, Robin. hmm Bad job. Bad job in that his clever plan was to just get in a spaceship without any spacesuits or way to get into the big spaceship and just go straight up. And also bad job in terms of, all right, the cops are at the door and they say, we're not going to hurt you. We just really need to talk things over. And his immediate response is, we could have killed all of you. We've got a ton of guns and firepower. I'm going to change mine to Robin for all
1: those reasons, because those are good. Okay, well, what was yours? Mine, I had, once again, it was all due to the writers and no fault of her own, but poor Starfire. Like, she had such a rough time of it.
0: At yeah. the same time, she,
1: she, she wreaked an incredible amount of havoc, not by her own volition. Yeah, and
0: that's why I would, not, I would say that was not her fault. That's not My... fair,
1: but... I, it didn't occur to me though that like yeah actually Robin could have done so much better.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, it was, a, it was a poor show. Okay. I'm gonna
1: copy off your notes. This okay. Time. Fair enough. Whew. Feel good about that. I was worried. I didn't want to nominate Starfire for. Yeah, she was the victim in this case. I know. Cory, don't want to blame the victim. Wow, well, she did blow up all those buildings, but it wasn't her fault. Yeah, they well, had a mind dampener. Yeah,
0: man. <laughs> her mind was so damn. Don't go spraying people with hoses. <laughs> you don't know what's gonna happen. We'll see. So, uh, what was your favorite panel? There was so much good art. There really in, was. In it, it was gorgeous.
1: I like the one where uh, Starfire tells her sister to go to hell on page 20.
0: That is when she is just all beat up and After bleeding from her eye and like, mouth. Yep. And, yeah, man, one of mine is, and, I mean, it's an affecting panel. I don't want to say it's my favorite panel because I hate what's happening in it. But it's the one where Commander is doing, like, the claw hold over Starfire's face and just grabbing her face as she blasts direct power into her face. And you see blood starting to come out of Coriander's eyeball. So mean. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, that is some rough shit. Mm -hmm. really affecting the other one that i did like a lot we touched on a little bit is cyborg sitting there with a foot in each hand (laughs) uh really reminded me there are a lot of star wars references as i said Mm. um gets brought up twice by garfield Mm -hmm. and it really reminded me of c-3po just having his legs in his hands Mm -hmm. and of course on page 16 the reveal aqualad's back yep and he looked great Yep, I actually had that one. Also, Aqualad's triumphant return. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Well, speaking of Aqualad, Corey, due to the largesse of our Patreon donors, we have brought back the popular segment. What's Aqualad probably up to? Or, Wapoot. Mm. In September of 1982, Wapoot. Well, first of all, we, we already We, we know no. part of what he is up yeah. to. He is doing some salvage mm-hmm. work. For the Teen Titans, and having his friend Jumbo the Whale, potential relative of Fudgy the Whale, potential <laughs> dredge up a Gordanian spaceship. Mm-hmm. But what else is he probably up to? Because there's a lot of month there, and he only shows up in a few panels.
1: Yeah, and so he also says, I think at some point in their exchange, that, uh, like, you know, oh, I haven't
0: been up to much, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which is actually quite modest i know no kidding and like uh, we've we've discussed at length he has had a very adventurous couple of years but sure i knows. think he doesn't want the other titans to feel bad and maybe is kind of angling for robin to ask him back on the team which robin does mm-hmm. at least yeah. in a reserve capacity so yep, yep yep so we've discussed before aqualad's love of of music
1: mm-hmm. of all sorts mm-hmm. especially rock and roll music oh yeah and i don't know it Also, there's something that happened, which makes me wonder, like, he's philosophically kind of wrestling with this question of, does one good deed make up for a bad deed or cancel it out? Hmm. So, as we know from previous episodes, he is, in fact, responsible for the death of Jim Morrison. Yes. Which, depending on how you feel about the Doors music, is either... You know. I thought that was the good deed. So he's a very... He he feels terrible about this. Sure. Her, he, right? He's
0: being a real raven about it. He really <laughs> is.
1: But something in early September happened where he was, again, in the presence of rock and roll famousness. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's at a party. Uh huh. In Laurel Canyon, at a house that uh, Keith Richards was was renting. Oh, yeah, pool party. Actually. Oh, <laughs> so, nice. So it actually turns out that they kind of know each other, mm-hmm. and so um, Aqualad is hanging out in the in the pool, and like it's a pretty fucking crazy party. There's barbecues, there's booze, cocaine, all kinds of stuff. So he and Beaky have had quite a few. And they're in like one of these large like pool floats out there and the parties die down, everybody's pretty much gone off and gone to sleep. When suddenly there's an enormous explosion because somebody had left the gas on and not realized it and it finally caught fire and the whole house went up like a roman candle oh no if it wasn't for aqualad and beaky's ability to hold lots of water keith richards and his family would have would have been trapped inside of the burning house but due to their quick thinking and ability to carry water they were rescued
0: thank goodness
1: Mm -hmm. and so i think that cancels out the whole morrison thing
0: (laughs) more than cancels it out yeah well done Mm mm-hmm yeah, well, he was up to some other things, because as much of the world was at that time, I know you were pretty young then, but you surely remember the 1982 furor that surrounded the discovery in Kazakhstan of Arstanosaurus, a new kind of dinosaur that was discovered in Kazakhstan in 1982. Ah, uh, refresh refresh my memory? It's a dinosaur. Okay. <laughs> that was discovered in Kazakhstan. Okay. Huge, you, I, I'm sure. You remember probably all of the... Famous place. Our T-shirts everywhere. Birthplace of the, the Apple. The hats. Uh-huh. The commemorative stamps. Dinosaur fever sweeping the nation. Reminded Aqualad of his own affection for dinosaurs and their affection for him. Uh, <laughs> his old buddy the Loch Ness Monster, sure, of course. and yeah. really had him thinking a lot about dinosaurs. And he's also, I think we've discussed, a bit of a theater buff. Uh, He loves, loves to go to the theater. And he saw that there was a new play opening. And he assumed it was about dinosaurs because he didn't finish reading the title. So he saw on the marquee of the Alvin Theater on Broadway, <laughs> know, your funny. arms are too short. Right. And he's like, oh, well, that's probably about dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Their arms are so short. Yeah. Stupid dinosaurs. Mm. Oh. But, you know, he thought it was affection. Sure. Like, people often use the word stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. And then when he got in, he realized that the full title of the play was, your arms are too short to box with God. Mm. And it was about, I believe, the Proverbs of Matthew. Mm. Some kind of Bible thing. Okay. But mostly, he was just struck by the astounding musical performances by Patti LaBelle and Al Green, who were both in that production. No kidding. And so he had a very nice time. And okay. then he did some selfish work with his friend Jumbo. Mm-hmm. Saved Keith Richards' life with his friend Beaky. Mm-hmm. He had a pretty busy month. I'll say. And that is Wapoot. Nice. In... September of 1982. After that, went home and watched Night Rider. And Family Ties and Cheers. So much good TV. Man. Well, so much TV. So much TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that wraps things up for this regular-sized issue. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I mean, there's still, I feel like, way more story in this comic book than there was in the 68-page Defenders one. Mm-hmm. But there's... Less actual comic book, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us, listeners. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you get podcasts. Podomatic, perhaps. Yeah, we're all up there. We're in all of the nooks and crannies of the internet on Facebook and Tumblr and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, love to hear from you. If you'd like to leave us a review, you can do that. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do that at patreon.com backslash Wasteland. Thanks for listening. Thank you. I'm Hub, and I think your arms are just the right size. To box with God. Yes. Give him a laugh. <laughs> Woo-hoo. <laughs> Bye. 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 And they knew it.